0: What is sin? It's a good question. There's no perfect definition to it. Sin is a moral religious decision. I haven't really explored it for myself. To be honest with you, I don't know what sin is. I think it's uh, a personal opinion. I'd say sin is what you feel, you know what I mean? If you it's feel that you've done it wrong, then that's that's sin, you know? It's just bad. <laughs> sin, sin is, is bad. bad. Doing something that you know is wrong. If you know that it's wrong. They know that it's, that it's wrong. Sin is when you do something that you know is wrong. Do you think that there are some sins that are worse than other sins? Is it all the same? Uh, yeah. Personally, I feel some sins are worse more than others. The quick answer is yes. My Catholic answer would be yes, there's mortal sins, and yeah, so, yeah. Tell me which ones are worse than the others. Um, I would think that killing somebody would be a worse sin than lying to your parents about something. Killing someone. Killing another man. Committing adultery. Theft. Uh, rape. Blaspheme. Blaspheme, that's what I would say, to sit there and say there's not a higher power. That's the ultimate sin. Killing people is worse. Yeah, it's a lot worse than telling a little white lie. I think. Uh, I don't know. Ah. If a sin is a sin, then it's a sin. Sin is sin no matter way, no matter how you look at it. Sin is sin. It's either sin or you don't sin. How many of you are on Facebook? How many of you are not on Facebook? How many of you don't know what the heck Facebook is? Okay, there's just a few hands on that. Facebook is a social networking site on the internet. When you join Facebook, you complete a profile, and that tells people where you live, where you went to school, if you're married. If you're not married, are you in a relationship, or are you single? What your hobbies are, what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite book, what's your favorite quotation? What are your religious views? Are you a Christian? Are you Muslim? Are you an atheist? I don't know why, but there's a lot of people that put down spiritual. So if you're a friend of mine and you put down spiritual, sometime we'll talk about that. But anyways, (laughs) here's what my profile looks like. You probably can't read it, but if you got on Facebook and you became a friend of mine, you'd be able to go and look at my profile. It tells a little bit about me, and it tells why University of Arkansas is the best university (laughs) in America. But anyways once you join Facebook then you can add friends so every time a friend of mine types a message or they add a picture to their Facebook page it's posted on my homepage, and I can comment on it and I can read other people's comments and this is what it looks like now if you're a friend of mine this is not mine because I was going to take a picture of that put it up here and then I thought you know what Sure as the world if I do that someone's going to come up to me and said you know what I don't just let everyone read what I post, and you're a friend of mine, you shouldn't have done that. So, no one knows who this person is except for Drew Samsel. This person is from North Carolina. But this is what the uh, wall of a person looks like, their homepage. And I have to say that I really love Facebook, and the reason that I love Facebook is because I'm able to connect with people that I haven't seen since high school. I was able to connect with Dewey Henson. I have not seen Dewey since the night that we graduated. Brett Thompson, uh, Brian Collier. These are people that I didn't know what had happened to them. Did they fall off the edge of the earth or what? And so now I've been able to come in and connect with them and to find out what they're doing, what's happened in all these years that we have not been contacting each other. And then I'm able to stay in contact with them every day. And it's a great tool to be able to encourage people to share information, to build relationships, and to be able to invite people or to inform people about events that are coming up, either in my personal life or maybe in the church itself. And I love it. But there is one thing about Facebook that kind of bothers me. Almost every one of my friends on Facebook claims to be a Christian in their profile. But some of them, I'm not quite sure. Because I'd never be able to tell that they were a Christian because of what they post on Facebook. Just last April, hello, are you there? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just last April, you wouldn't believe the number of my friends on Facebook that were encouraging other people to celebrate 420. How many of you know what 420 is? Well, There's another phone. Hello again. But anyways, how many know what 420 is? Well, I didn't know what 420 was, and everyone is talking about celebrating 420. Well, 420 is pot day. Oh, yeah, marijuana actually has its own little holiday on April the 20th. April's the fourth month, the 20th day, so you got 420. At 420 p.m., all pot smokers Will light up a joint to celebrate Marijuana Day or Pot Day. And it all started back in 1971 at San Rafael High School in California. A group of teenagers would wait till school was out, and at 4.20 they would meet behind the football stadium and they would light up. They would smoke pot, and that's how the term 4.20 was coined. But I couldn't believe how many of my friends on Facebook were encouraging others to celebrate 4.20. And these are friends who consider themselves to be Christians. I've had friends on Facebook post messages about sleeping with someone, about moving in together. I have friends who claim to be Christians who cuss like sailors. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of these legalists that comes in and talks about, oh, you know, dang is a derivative of and We can't say that. Now, you know me. What you see is what you get. I'm sorry every once in a while I offend someone because I use the word but. I don't say anything about it, bad about it. I talk about things being crap right so you know I don't see anything bad about that but I've got friends on Facebook claim to be Christians because like sailors they use the F word quite frequently when they post a message on Facebook now they might not spell it out they they type out the letter F and then they put three spaces behind it like we don't know what they're meaning oh yeah and I, I probably should educate some of you as to what that word means let me give you the etymology of that word in the 17th century The Puritans published adulterers and fornicators by putting them in a stock. And then they wanted to make sure that everyone knew why they were being punished. And so what they would do is they'd take a sign and they would paint on that sign whatever the crime was and they'd place it above them. Well, for those who were caught in fornication or adultery, these words would be written for unlawful carnal knowledge. How many of you knew that? Well, over time, they quit just spelling it out, and so what they started doing is taking the first letter of each word as an acronym for that crime. So the F word actually means for unlawful carnal knowledge. In other words, sex outside of marriage. It does not refer to sex inside of marriage. It refers to sex outside of marriage, and is a very socially distasteful word, and it's not to be used in society. The Bible clearly states that those things that are done in the dark, we're not even supposed to speak about those things in other words use those words to describe it so I want you to understand that this is a totally unacceptable word especially for Christians I also have friends on Facebook who post pictures of themselves getting drunk being drunk and maybe parting with other people who are drunk now some of you might be saying we well, you know pastor Allen, you're judging you've even taught that drinking's not a sin but drunkenness is so it's okay to drink So, how do you know that they're getting drunk? Because they put that on their post. They describe, here I am getting smashed. We've been taking shots all night long. Look at Billy. He's so wasted, he can't stand up. Duh. So, I have to admit, that's what I don't like about Facebook. I don't like people claiming to be Christians and then posting things that are definitely not Christ like. But it's so common. I have to ask myself, why? Why do they do that? Is it our culture? Has our culture sunk so low that we think it's acceptable for Christians to act that way? Or do we think that maybe those things really aren't sinful? Do we think that we can be a Christian and still do those things? Is it okay for Christians to have sex outside of marriage? You know, that was back then. And I know the Bible said you couldn't do it back then. But you know, today, you can still be a Christian and have sex outside of marriage. Is it okay for Christians to get drunk? Is it okay for a Christian man and a woman to live together without being married? 25 years ago, if you did those type of things, you didn't dare claim to be a Christian. Because everyone knew, believers and unbelievers alike, knew that if you did those things, you weren't a Christian. And if you claimed to be a Christian and you did those things, they would say, ha, you're not a Christian, you're a hypocrite. But today it's not like that. Couples live together. Not only do they claim to be Christians, but many of them serve in positions in the church. Not here, but other churches. People sleep around and claim to be Christians. People get drunk, smoke dope, and claim to be Christians. People cuss like sailors, and I don't mean these little bitty words. I mean they drop the F-bomb and claim to be Christians. I really don't get it. Because the word Christian literally means Christ-like. And I know for a fact that Christ didn't act that way. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, the 11th chapter, verse number 26. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Christians. Now, I want you to underline that word Christians. Christians is translated from the Greek word Christianos. Christianos. And Christianos literally means Christ-like or like Christ. In fact, our English word Christian is transliterated from this Greek word. In other words, we get it directly. All we do is we take the Greek letters and we use the equivalent English letter. So Christianos, we got Christian out of Now, what's interesting is it wasn't believers who started referring to themselves as Christians first. Uh -uh. It was unbelievers. The unbelievers noticed that those who believed in Jesus Christ were trying to act like Christ. So they started referring to them in a derogatory way as Christians. Or in other words, people who act like Christ or try to act like Christ. And people that caught on. So a Christian is someone who acts like Christ, or at least tries to act like Christ. But today, I'll be honest with you, the word Christian doesn't mean squat, right? Because most people think that you can be a Christian and you can do whatever you want. And do you want to know why they think that way? It's because they've been taught that in God's eyes, all sin is the same. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Sin is sin. And telling a white lie is just as bad in God's eyes as having premarital sex. And gossiping is just as bad in God's eyes as being a homosexual. Because sin is sin. And it's all the same in God's eyes. Let me give you a good example of this. How many of you have ever heard of Jessica Knapp? Anyone? uh, Jessica, I'm sorry, no you haven't. Jennifer Knapp. Jennifer Knapp is a well-known Christian music artist. And she's had several hits. She's won Dove Awards for being the Artist of the Year and for having the best rock song of the year. And we're talking about Christian rock song, Christian artist. So she's a very popular Christian artist. She's also a lesbian who came out of the closet last April. And she's admitted to being in a homosexual relationship since 2002. Yet she still maintains that she's a Christian. And she claims that homosexuality is no worse than the sin of being angry at someone, or maybe, te- or maybe cheating on your IRS, uh, or on your tax forms, or, or cheating on a test. Here's a video clip of her on Larry King Live. Let me just run that for you to see her talking about it. Do you believe Jennifer is going to go to hell? Larry, God is the judge. I, I'm just here to... Are you judging her? Uh, well am I? I, I'm here out of love I don't have a club in my my hand if I am a sinner and homosexuality is a sin let's just go on that premise for a moment but what separates that particular sin out from the fact that I'm angry or mad at someone or that I cheat or maybe you know you know, what separates that out is so grievous to you that we have to sit here and have this type of conversation. Well, it's interesting. There's, um, sin is sin. You're absolutely right. And we all have so sinned. We, we all have, fall why short. I in this, why aren't you in this seat and I'm in the other seat <laughs> condemning you on national television? Wow. Can you see what Jennifer's doing? She's downplaying the sin of homosexuality by saying that it's no different than being mad at someone. Or maybe cheating on a test. So why are we singling out her sin? Because after all, everyone sins. And since everyone sins and all sin is the same, you can still be a Christian and be a lesbian. Because if you're going to judge me, then you need to judge yourself. Couples can live together without being married and still be a Christian. Because after all, everyone sin and sin is sin in God's eyes. Single people can sleep around and, and still be a Christian. Because after all, sin is sin. And it's the same in God's eyes. Christians can smoke dope and still be. Christian because after all sin is sin it's all the same in God's eyes so today most people think that what Paul wrote in Galatians the fifth chapter verses 19 through 21 doesn't apply today go ahead and turn there let me read this Paul's writing he says this now the works of the flesh are manifest in other words revealed which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry Witchcraft. Let me stop right there. Witchcraft is not what we think of as witchcraft. The word witchcraft here is translated from the Greek word pharmakia. Our English word pharmacy is transliterated from this Greek word. The word pharmakia means mind-altering drugs. Let me tell you, smoking dope is a work of the flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he continues on. And he lists all of these different sins. And this is what he says in the very last verse that I'm going to read. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things, hmm, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So in Jennifer Knapp's mind, this doesn't apply today. You can do all of these things and still be a Christian. You know, Paul was out of touch, or, or maybe God has changed the rules. Now, to be honest with you, this is a very common belief even inside of the church. In fact, most Christians believe that all sin is the same. How many of you have been taught that, that all sin is the same? How many of you grew up hearing that sin is sin and that in God's eyes telling a lie is just as bad as murder? Be honest. If you've been taught that or you've heard a pastor say that, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah, the majority of you have heard. Pastors make that comment and bless their hearts, they didn't know any better. The truth of the matter is they haven't studied God's Word. They've passed that on too because they're lazy and haven't searched out what God's Word says because I'm going to tell you, that is not true. The Bible does not teach that. In fact, the Bible clearly teaches that certain types of sin are worse than others. And it actually divides sin into five different Categories. That's right. So let me give you the five basic categories of sin. Now, if I want to be more accurate, I would literally give you the five basic categories of sin in the original Greek. In other words, I would use Greek words to describe it. But since you don't speak Greek or you don't read Greek, I'm going to do it in English. So here are the five different categories in English number one, sin. Number two, unrighteousness. Number three, trespasses. Number four, transgressions. And last but not least, iniquities. Now, I know that most of you have been taught that these are synonyms. That all of these words refer to the very same thing. They're just different words for sin. But people, that is not true. Each of these words are translated from different Greek words and they describe a specific type of sin and some are worse than others. Now, let me say that again because that's very important. I'm saying something that's totally different than the majority of you have ever been taught. I'm saying something that's totally different than what most pastors say. But I'm going to tell you this the majority of pastors are lazy. And they don't study the word of God. They get up and they have these cute little cliches. And they're trying to get people to respond to the altar call. So they say things that are not true to try to appeal to your emotions. And therefore they get off an air and then everyone starts saying these things. There's a reason why Jesus refers to us as sheep. Because sheep are stupid and we follow the pack. That's true. So let me say this again. Each of these words are translated from different Greek words. And they describe a specific type of sin and some are worse than others. And knowing the differences will give you insight into how God deals with sin and why the penalty is more severe for certain types of sin than it is for others. Let me give you a good example. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Let's see what Paul had to say to the Corinthian church. He said, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you all, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the reason he adds that is because I passed judgment on this man, not as a man, but I've done it in the name of Jesus. By the authority of Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit and so will the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you must throw this man out. And hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord when he returns. Now, people, this man was guilty of two specific sins. He was guilty of the sin of fornication. The word fornication is translated from the Greek word pornea. It covers a lot of things, but primarily it's sex before marriage and it can also refer to, adultery can come underneath that, but it actually means sex outside of marriage. So this man was having sex with someone that he was not married to. But it gets worse. The second sin that he was committing was incest. He was having sex with his father's wife. Now, this is kind of interesting because it actually says in the New Living Translation, stepmother, but a lot of scholars believe that it was not a stepmother. It was literally his mother, but they were actually trying to clarify this. This was an incestuous relationship, and Paul said that what he's doing is so perverted that you need to kick him out of the church. Now, people, I want you to understand, Paul never said that if someone tells a little white lie, kick him out of the church because all sin is sin. They're the same. If someone's telling white lies, we're going to kick him out of the church. If someone's gossiping, we're going to kick them out of the church. If someone is full of bitterness, we're going to kick them out of the church. If someone refuses to forgive, we're going to kick them out of the church. Well, pretty soon, none of us would be in church, including myself. Because we all sin, people. Paul understood that. But Paul also understood that not all sin is the same. And the penalty is more severe for certain types of sin than it is for others. And if you commit one of the worst sins, you'll pay a steeper price than you would if you commit a lesser sin. I guarantee it. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the five different categories of sin. Now I know because of time that I won't get through all five of them, but I am going to cover the first two. So let's look at the first two. The first category is simply referred to as sin when you're reading in the King James Version. The word sin is translated from the Greek word hamartia. Hamardia means to miss the mark. And the best way to illustrate what this word means is to use a bow and an arrow as an example. Some of you go deer hunting and you use a bow to hunt deer. And you're a pretty good shot. If I asked you at 20 yards, could you hit the bullseye on a target? You would probably say, I can. And I would say, how many times? Out of 10. And you would say, 10 out of 10 times. Pretty good. So then I'd say, well, what about 30 yards? well I could probably hit the bullseye 9 out of 10 times what about 40 yards about 8 out of 10 what about a hundred yards Ooh, I'm not even sure I could hit the target let alone the bullseye but I'll try now that's what a means it means to miss the mark Now, it doesn't mean that you're not trying it means actually that you are trying to hit the bullseye but you miss the mark You tried to be perfect, but you came up short. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, and I want you to underline the phrase, come short. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That phrase, come short, is translated from the Greek word, and it means to come up short, to fall short, or to be lacking. In this context, it means you tried to hit the bullseye, but you missed. You came up short. Now, here's what's interesting about this first category of sin. This first category of sin does not refer to willful or deliberate sin. In fact, you're actually trying to hit the bullseye. You're trying to be perfect. You're trying to do what God wants you to do. You're trying to be right. You're trying to live the Christian life. But the truth of the matter is, we're not perfect. So this category of sin includes what are known as the sins of omission and the sins of ignorance. If you're taking notes, you should have wrote that down. This category includes what is known as the sins of omission and the sins of ignorance. Now let me give you an example of each one of those. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of James, chapter 4, verse number 17. It says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Wow. So if you know that you should invite a specific person or a certain person to church and you don't do it, it's a sin. If you know as you're driving down the highway and you pass a little old lady that's on the side of the road and she's got a flat tire, if you know you should stop and help her fix that flat and you don't do it, it's a sin. It's not something that you did that was a sin. It's something that you didn't do. And that's why scholars refer to this type of sin as the sins of omission. You should do something, but you're not doing it. You omitted what you should be doing. Now, look at Acts chapter 17, verse number 30. It says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere to repent of their sin and to turn to him. In other words, when people did things that were wrong in the Old Testament, but they didn't know better, God overlooked it. In fact, the King James Version says God winked at sin. Winked at sin, and if you look up that up in the Greek, it means that he overlooked it. Why? Because they didn't know any better. Why did Jacob have more than one wife? Why did he have Rachel and Leah? Because he didn't know any better. Why did David have eight wives? Because he was stupid. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) That doesn't work, they found out. But anyways, hard enough? No, I better shut up. He didn't know any better. But now that we have the complete Bible, we should know better. But that still doesn't mean that I know everything that's in this Bible. So sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do, but I don't know any better. That's what scholars refer to as sins of ignorance. So many of us are Christians, and we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but we don't know any better. Maybe we didn't grow up in church or maybe we grew up in a church where they really didn't teach the word. So we're doing things or not doing things that we ought to be doing or we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. In fact, let me show you something interesting. We all can quote 1 John chapter 1 verse number 9. That if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, right? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can quote that. But most of us never read the verses preceding this. If you don't mind, it's not going to come up on there. I'm going off on a tangent. Don't freak out in the back, all right? Go ahead and turn to the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. It's not the book before Revelation. Jude is, but Jude is so short. So you've got 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We're not talking about the Gospel of John. Go ahead and turn to 1 John. I need my glasses. Chapter 1, verse number 7. Let me read it to you. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, here's what's interesting. This is what this is saying. If you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you're trying to do the best you can, but you do something you shouldn't, it says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That word cleanses us actually is in the present tense. It means it continually cleanses us. In other words, if we don't know that we've sinned, but we have sinned, because we've accepted Jesus Christ, God knows the sins we've done, so Jesus died for those sins. So we don't have to confess them because the Holy Spirit is coming in and saying, well, you know, he doesn't know that that's wrong, but Jesus died for those sins. So the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us. Wow! But sometimes we do things we know we shouldn't do. And that's why as we read on, we get to 1 John chapter 1.9. If we sin, and we know we sin, then if we confess our sin then God is faithful and just. But there are those sins we don't know, and that's what this is talking about. But my whole point is this. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. No matter how hard you try to be perfect, you're always going to come up short. You might be a good person, but you're not perfect. No one is perfect except Jesus Christ. That's why everyone needs to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's why Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. And the word that is used there is, you're trying to do what's right. You're trying to be perfect. But you've come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Everyone has missed the mark. Everyone, no matter how hard they try to be perfect, is not perfect. And they've come short of the glory of God. That's why everyone needs Jesus. So when a person comes to me and we're talking, I say, you know, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And they say, well, I'm a good person, Pastor Allen. I look at them and say, but you're not good enough. I don't care how hard you try to be perfect, you're not perfect. The only one that was ever perfect is Jesus. You need Jesus to cleanse you of your sin. That's good teaching, Pastor Allen. The second category is referred to as unrighteousness as you read the King James Version it's the Greek word or actually it's translated from the Greek word "Atakia." the concept of "atakeia" is rooted in legal thinking it means to commit an injustice or to deal unjustly with someone to be unfair the best way to illustrate what this word means is to look at how it's used in other scriptures so let me show you how it's used in some scriptures turn with me if you would to the book of Matthew the 20th chapter I'm only gonna read the last two verses of this parable This is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And if you remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard, this guy had a big vineyard, and it was harvest time. So he went out and he hired these people to help him to bring in the harvest. But there wasn't enough people to get it all done that day. So he went back into town and he hired some more. And they came out and they were working. He realized at lunchtime that, you know, we're still not going to get this in. So he went back and hired some more. And he kept doing this until he hired people when there was only just one hour left to work. So when it came time to pay these people, guess what he did? He paid the people who only worked one hour first. And he paid them the very same amount that he paid those who worked all day. So now, knowing that part, let's read verses 12 and 13. Saying... These have worked but one hour, and you made them equal unto us which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I did thee no wrong. Underline that word wrong. Did you not agree to work for me for a penny? And the word penny, of course, is denarius, a day's pay. Now, that word wrong in verse number 13 is translated from the Greek word "Atakia," in this context it means unfair in this parable the workers were accusing the owner of being unfair and the and the owner says I'm not being unfair you and I both agreed that you would work for a day's pay and if I'm good for those who only work for an hour and I have compassion on them because they didn't work all day and they wanted to work but you know I didn't find them in time is it unfair of me to go ahead and pay them the same amount no but I want you to understand the word adikia means unfair. So if you've ever been unfair to someone, or you didn't treat that person right, you've committed this type of sin, adikia. Now let's go a little bit further. Let's look at another place. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. Let's find out how this word "Atakia is used. He He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. Now, do you see the word mistreated in verse number 24? That's the Greek word Atakia. So if you've ever mistreated anyone, you've committed this type of sin. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Everyone looking up here listening? These type of sins are bad. But they're not nearly as bad as the next three categories of sin. You see, each category of sin gets progressively worse. The first category of sin, hamartia, is the least offensive to God. We commit these type of sins because we're human and we're not perfect. In fact, these type of sins in this category are the sins of emotion, uh, Omission, not emotion. Sins of omission and the sins of ignorance. Now, don't get me wrong, these sins will separate you from God. And in order to get to heaven, you have to accept Jesus Christ because they're still sin. And see, this is where we get this wrong logic that sin is sin and all sin is the same. All sin will separate you from God, all sin will keep you out of heaven. But that doesn't mean that all sin are the same. See, we hear that first part and then we naturally jump to the conclusion that all sin is the same. And people, that is not true. Everyone has sinned. You might have tried to be perfect, but you're not perfect. Everyone needs Jesus. And again, I want you to understand. In this first category, these type of sins are not willful. They're not deliberate. These type of sins are committed because we have the atomic nature and we're human. The second category of sin, atakia, is worse than the first category, but not as bad as the last three categories. I'm going to say that again, just to make sure you get it. The second category of sin, atakia, is worse than the first category, but not as bad as the last three categories. These type of sins include mistreating people or being unfair to someone. So when you're rude to someone or you're taking advantage of someone, you're committing a sin that falls into this category. Now, these type of sins are bad. But they're not as bad as the type of sins in the last three categories. So don't get me wrong. All sin separates you from God. If you commit these sins, you're not going to go to heaven unless you accept Jesus Christ. But you need to understand something don't equate these type of sins with the sins in the last three categories so let me say this again listen to me very carefully all sin Or all sins are not the same. The Bible clearly teaches that some sins are worse than others. And as we go through each category of sin, you're going to see that they continually get worse. They're progressively worse. That's why Paul said those that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to turn back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are revealed. Which are these? Idolatry. Fornication uncleanness, lasciviousness. All of those deal with sexual sins. Now we go to a different type of sin in verse 20. Idolatry, dope smoking, witchcraft, hatred, variances, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Then we go to a different type. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I told you before, as I have also told you in time past, that those which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as Christians, we still sin. I'm a pastor. I'm not even going to tell you how many times I sin each day. But when you start doing the things that are listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, and I don't mean stumbling and maybe, you know, man, I made a mistake and I did one of those things once or twice. I mean, if you start continually doing these things. In fact, the word do is is written as a present active participle. The present tense means that you're habitually, continually doing these things. You don't feel guilt anymore about it. You're just going to do it and you're willfully and deliberately doing it. So when you start doing these things continually, Paul says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Why? Because in order to be saved, you not only have to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, but you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In Paul's day, whatever you confessed to, you were committed to. So you had to make Jesus Lord. I tell you all the time that I did not get saved until I was 20 years old. Now, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior many times. Every time I did something wrong or the preacher started teaching on hell, I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell. So I would ask Jesus to save me. Keep me out of hell, Jesus. And I said the sinner's prayer. But I knew I didn't want Jesus to be Lord. You know, when you're a kid, there's girls out there, and there's alcohol, and there's all those other things. I didn't want Jesus to be Lord. But at the age of 20 years old, The Holy Spirit was dealing with me and I I realized if I didn't accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my life would be very short. I don't know what would have happened, but I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you continue on, you will not live very long. And that struck fear into me. And I said, okay, Lord, I want to make you Lord of my life. And at that point, I decided to make Jesus Lord and that's when I was saved. But the reason you can't do these things and inherit the kingdom of God is because in order to do these things, you have to say, you're not Lord, Jesus. I'm doing what I want to do. I know these are wrong, but I don't care. Now, someone might be saying, now, why are you doing this, pastor? Why are you bringing this up? Because in Ezekiel 34, it tells me that one day I will stand before God. And I will have to give an account of everything that I've done as a pastor. Not as one of you all, as a pastor, And I also believe we're going to be at the great white throne judgment. And some of you are going to be tossed into the lake of fire. And God's going to look over at me and he's going to say, did they go to your church? And I'm going to say, yeah, they did. Why didn't you teach on that? I want you to understand. God loves you with all of his heart. God's an understanding, compassionate, and merciful God. And because of that, he sent his son, Jesus. But in order to be saved, we must not only believe that Jesus died for our sins and God raised him from the dead, but we must also, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord. And when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, we're not smoking dope continually and deliberately and willfully. We're not committing adultery or fornication. We're not going to bars to whoop up on people. Strife. Got to know what that means in the Greek. We're not continually doing those type of things. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm not saying we don't fall every once in a while and do those things and go, I'm trying to get out of this. But we're being convicted and we're going, saying, God, help me. I keep falling into this. But when you continually, deliberately do these things habitually, you're telling Jesus, I don't want you to be Lord. Paul is very straight and he says, You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And the whole reason he said to throw this man out of the church is, he said, so that his soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul wanted him to realize you can't go to heaven and keep doing these things. Now, you guys know me. We don't teach that drinking is a sin. We teach that drunkenness is a sin. We teach that sex is great. But it's great in marriage. I'm telling you, I don't want Jesus to come back. 'Cause you know, there's no more sex for us in heaven because we're not going to be married. Not just teasing. <laughs> but can you see what I'm saying here? But I'm just telling you, there's certain things the Bible says, you can't do these things. And you know, as I get on Facebook, and I have to say this, no one in our church on Facebook is doing this. These are these new friend, these are these friends I've connected with from years ago and it's kind of interesting they say Christian and when they first become friends they go alright they're a Christian I've been praying for them and then they start posting all this and I realize I need to keep praying for them and I also realize you know what someone needs to tell them the truth now I didn't have time to get the next three categories of sin and we're going to look at that next week and I know it's been rough this morning but you just make the decision you're going to come back next Sunday because you want to find out what those three categories are.